Welcome back to another episode of Fireside Football, presented by Empire Sports Media. You are here with Dylan and Brendan. Dylan, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Brendan. How are you doing? Can't complain. I mean, you know, speaking about the AFC East today, I'm going to try to hold back my major frustrations as a Jets fan today. I'm sure you're going to try to do the same, but you want to start off with the Jets or who you want to start off with today? Uh, let's go with the Jets since it's on our minds and since uh, that's what we really spend a bulk of our time at ESM talking about. So let's go with the Jets. All right. Now, the Jets obviously went 7-9 and nine last season, although they did go 7-6 and six when Darnold was healthy and the starting quarterback. So some things to look forward to there for Darnold this upcoming season. Uh, what are your predictions for the Jets record-wise to start off? Oh, this one was hard. We just talked about this a little bit. For me, I had their ceiling kind of at 9-7, and seven, but my prediction for them is 8-8. Eight and eight. I feel like this team right now, until either a coaching change happens or they gel under Gase and this team really becomes his team and Darnold grows a lot, this team is going to be a middle-of-the-road team. They have no clear direction right now, and I hate saying that, but it's going to take another year of Joe Douglas at the reins to establish that clear direction, and until then, I feel like this team's a middle-of-the-pack team, and it hurts. It really does, Brendan. It hurts me right now to physically say this, but until there's a clear direction with the squad, I think this team is a middle-of-the-road team. Yeah, it's tough for me because... You know, watching the Jets growing up and the past couple seasons, the Jets are a team that I, you know, I want them. I'm kind of striving for them to be middle of the pack. And that's that's tough to say as a fan because the Jets finish towards the bottom so often and they're such an inconsistent team in past seasons. And I I still don't know how I feel about Adam Gase. You know, that push towards the end of the season, I think, really, really helped him in you know, being the coach for at least this, uh, this upcoming season. But you know, the Jets are a team that obviously, in my opinion, uh, got better, um, both in the draft and free agency. In the draft, you know, with the 11th pick, they got Mekhi Becton, left tackle out of Louisville, who I actually had them take in my mock draft, and I'm very excited for Mekhi Becton. He's a huge, huge player. He's, you know, was he 6'7", 340, if I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. I mean, he's an absolute monster also drafting Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out, out of Baylor that I'm very excited for. Uh, running back LaMichael Pirine out of Florida and safety Ashton Davis out of California. I mean, how do you feel about these draft picks, man? I mean, I think that these are it was a very good draft class for the Jets. Not only did I like their draft class heavily, um, I think Mims is finally that piece with Darnold. They'll grow together. Crowder was a safety net last year. Anderson was his over-the-top guy, and Perriman's going to be able to step in, I think, and kind of replicate that, and maybe even Vincent Smith a little bit, but Denzel Mims is going to be Darnold's guy, his number one go-to guy, and I think they're going to have the opportunity to grow together, so I loved that pick. I love Mekhi Becton. It solidifies the line. We've talked about this off-air and in articles. Ashton Davis was one of my favorite picks and one of my favorite players in this class because of his athleticism, and I think that he's going to make an impact in the secondary, and just... Bryce Hall, I loved that pick. I just feel like this team, the one nuance of the way Joe Douglas drafted, and not even just the way he drafted, but the way he went about free agency, is he got guys that are leaders. He didn't get guys that are, sorry Jamal Adams, even though you are my favorite player on the Jets, but he didn't get guys that are noisy. He didn't get guys that are going to go out there and say it's 
you know, it's all about me, it's about my contract. He got guys that have been captains throughout college and high school, and this is kind of the philosophy that has worked for past general managers, past coaches. Eric Mangini, he had a lot of success with that, you know, mentality, and I think that that's kind of the way that Joe Douglas wants to build this team, and if he builds this team in that direction, then scrap everything I just said about them being a middle-of-the-road team, but I think it's going to take a little longer than just this year to establish that culture, but I loved their draft in that sense. I loved their free agency in the sense of taking make-or-break deals for a lot of players, and they have a great defense. I, I feel like we'd be remiss without acknowledging that, that last season they had one of the best defensive lines in football, underratedly, um, full of runs of Fadukasi, even though we talk about him all the time, I still butcher his name. He had an incredible year last year. Kyle Phillips, an undrafted free agent, was one of the most impactful guys from last year's draft class. Quinn and Williams this year are going to be trusted to take a big step up. You've got guys who, on this defensive line, it can only get better. Jabari Zuniga off the edge, he's going to make an impact this year as well. I like the team in terms of what they did in free agency in the draft, and I feel like the culture's changing as Joe Douglas molds it in the way he likes. And I'm very, very happy with what they did in the draft. Well, yeah, you touched upon how strong this defense was last season, and however, you know, low I am on Joe Douglas, how, how, or however, you know, uh, skeptical I am, I really do like Joe Douglas. I think he, you know, he did a very good job with that defense, and you touched on a couple of the players there, uh, starting with the defensive line with Foley Fadakasi, Quinn and Williams in another season. I expect him to have a very nice season. Um, you know, Jabari Zuniga off the edge you touched upon. And then at linebacker, let's not forget, linebacker was a very weak position for the Jets last season with injuries. Mosley missed a lot of the season with groin injuries. Avery Williamson missed the entire season. And with Williamson coming back healthy, I mean, I have extremely high expectations for Mosley and Williamson. Now, yes, I'm a Jets fan, so this is going to kind of aid my next point here, but I think that with Mosley and Williamson healthy, this could easily be one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL. I really do. Mosley is consistently ranked in the top 10 for linebackers in the league. Williamson is a very, very good linebacker when healthy, and he's shown that. So, you know, this linebacker group can be scary. And then the most iffy part of the defense, seemingly every season since, you know, that spectacular Revis and Cromartie duo, was is cornerback. And, you know, I forgot to mention Bryce Hall in the draft, who you touched upon. But, you know, Bryce Hall, a cornerback, they added Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson in free agency and through trades. Obviously, they have Brian Poole, uh, Blesson Austin. I mean, this... This cornerback group doesn't necessarily have any big names to it, but they can definitely be a competitive and solid bunch uh, in the secondary. And then it's safety, obviously. I mean, we'll see what happens with Jamal Adams. I think I, I honestly think now Jamal Adams is going to get a contract. I was very, very against it a couple weeks ago. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought that he was demanding a little bit too much for what he's done. Yes, he's been to the Pro Bowl, but... You know, safeties don't necessarily lead to wins. But, you know, I think with everything that's been going on with contracts and then Chris Jones getting a big contract and, you know, the Miles Garrett talks, I think Jamal Adams is going to get a contract from the Jets. And I, I'm sure you saw this. Le'Veon Bell came out and said that he actually spoke with Jamal Adams over the phone 
and he said the talk went well, and he said that he believes Jamal Adams is going to be playing for the Jets again. Yeah, I think he that genu- I think it's overblown. I think that that's. I love that Le'Veon came out and said that because, you know, you even just touched on there's going to be an opportunity for him to get a contract if he wants it. It's just about timing, and now things are kind of clearing up with COVID, and it seems like the NFL's gung-ho on having a season. So now, yes, now is the time Joe Douglas can sit down with Jamal and his reps and try to negotiate a deal. So I really liked that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you think that Jamal, like, requesting a trade was just— using it as leverage to try to get a contract sooner or do you think he genuinely wanted to go somewhere else if he wasn't going to get a contract now well first thing first uh you touched on jamal being a safety and i feel like this is something that a lot of jets fans including myself honestly until last season had that mentality and i feel like yes jamal adams is probably one of if not the best safety in football and i feel very comfortable saying that But something about Jamal Adams, especially in Greg Williams' defense last year, that stood out to me is his ability as a pass rusher. Last season, he was one of the best pass rushers on the Jets. He had, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he had two forced fumbles, which is already something right there, but he also had six and a half sacks. That's incredibly difficult for a safety to do that. He was very, very good last season off the edge. He just has an ability to make things happen, and a playmaker like that is not somebody you let walk away. So I think that... Yes, maybe it was a ploy slightly. I don't know where his head's at, and I feel like it's a good thing in a sense that he's not he's not directly said, like in a big press release, or directly came at the organization. He's just said, time to move on, time to move on. He's just constantly reiterated that narrative. But at the same time, he hasn't said directly, yes, I want out. A lot of that has been from guys like Ryan Clark and other analysts saying, I spoke to Jamal, and Jamal said... You're, you're talking to a guy with Le'Veon Bell who you know, you know talk to Jamal Adams because what leverage does Le'Veon have to try to make up a story that Jamal wants to stay? He has none. Right. Ryan Clark, he, he can do it because he needs more notoriety. But Le'Veon Bell has no dog in the fight. No matter what, he's going to be a jet next season. He's going to be there trying to prove himself so that he can either get another contract with the green and white or have to go elsewhere. So he has no dog in the fight. So that's why it seems to me that maybe it's not a ploy after all, and he's deserving of a new contract. And I think that I just broke out the calculator. Chris Jones got a massive deal. I think that's going to end up being the kind of route Jamal Adams ends up getting, and I think it's going to be less than what Chris Adams got, but I think it'll end up being, whether it's the Jets or somebody else, four to five years, and probably around maybe 16, 17, maybe even 19 million a year. Well, yeah, and another reason why I think that Jamal Adams will ultimately be back now is because you've heard from Jets personnel and Jets coaches that they all want him back. No one wants him to go anywhere else. They love Jamal. They love what he brings to the team. And you've never really heard Jamal Adams say anything directly bad about the Jets. Like you said, he said time to move on, time to move on, blah, blah, blah. But he's never come out and bashed the Jets. He has no hard feelings against the Jets. He just wants a new contract, and he, he, he deserves one. I agree. Um, yeah, and we... Okay, let's get off of Jamal here, because I don't <laughs> want to spend the whole time <laughs> ranting about Jamal Adams here. So, you touched upon Le'Veon Bell and how he had no dog in the Jamal Adams fight, but to Le'Veon Bell uh, as a player, 
he didn't produce nearly as highly as Jets fans would have hoped last season coming over um, from Pittsburgh. And he was in Pittsburgh arguably the best running back for a number of seasons, just consistently putting up numbers, running the ball, receiving the ball, getting it to the end zone. He, he literally does it all. And he's said on social media the past couple of days that, you know, with fans trying to bash him and come at him, uh, he's been saying this upcoming season is going to be one of, if not the best season of my career. And if that ends up being the case, that is scary. I personally don't think he's going to be back to what his prime Pittsburgh years were, but if he can get more touches, because I felt they didn't give him the ball enough, um, more touches, more designed plays for him out of screens or whatever, I mean, Le'Veon Bell can be can be dangerous for the Jets, and they need to use him more, especially with their upgraded offensive line. Their offensive line last season was horrific. They had a very bad offensive line, and they have made some big upgrades to their offensive line, at least name-wise. You know, I spoke about Mekhi Becton, a left tackle. They also brought in George Fant, Greg Van Roten, and Connor McGovern. I mean, this offense, and Connor McGovern, correct me if I'm wrong here if you know, but last season, he had very few to no penalties. Yeah, he was impeccable. I don't know the exact... Yeah, he was great last season, and you're bringing a guy like that over for this offensive line that has nowhere to go but up. This offensive line is definitely going to be improved, and that's exactly what Le'Veon needs because Le'Veon is a patient running back. He doesn't hit the hole right away. He waits for the hole to open. He's very patient, and then he hits it and he goes. He is a very smart running back with a great vision, and he needs an offensive line, and hopefully he has one for this upcoming season. I think he will. They're not going to be a top 10 offensive line. I don't expect them to be, but I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack offensive line, which is still a huge upgrade over what they've had. Now, some of the players they did lose, though, the Jets, because we've been focusing on you know who they got in the draft, who they got in free agency. They did lose Daryl Roberts, Robbie Anderson, who went to Carolina, linebacker Brennan Copeland, who went to the Patriots, and I'm very upset about that. Ty Montgomery... Brandon Shell and Maurice Kennedy. So they did lose some people, but I think overall they have gotten much better than they were last season talent-wise. Um, I mean, you said 8-8 eight and eight for the Jets. You said a 9-7 and seven ceiling. I mean, they have a very tough schedule, man. I mean, for as good as they've gotten, and they've definitely improved, they don't have a forgiving schedule for this upcoming season. And... You know, there are critics and people saying that this could be a make-or-break season for Sam Darnold, and this is not necessarily a favorable schedule for Sam Darnold to make or break his career with the Jets. I mean, do you see Sam Darnold? What do you see from him? Because he's 7-6 as a starter last season, and he has better weapons around him now. Do you see him taking a step forward, or do you see him staying about the same? I do. I think that Darnold's got the short end of the stick for the start of his career, and I talked about it the other day. Um, a little bit in his article about two sports stars on ESM. But part of it, too, has been that he's gotten... I mean, he had two head coaching changes. So you go from Todd Bowles to Adam Gase. Then you also go from having an injury in year one with his thumb to then year two he gets mono, and he wasn't the same player for the stretch coming back. And then finally, you hit a rhythm in that last part of the season 
but the team struggled to make adjustments at the end of games or else that offense was on fire. When they'd come out of the gate, I mean, the first drives every time for Adam Gase were, I mean, they were nearly flawless. And if that kind of gelling and, you know, a whole offseason working with Darnold, working with Bell, working with, you know, now Crowder, Perryman, and Mims, working with Herndon now who's going to be back next year, a whole offseason working on that, working on the playbook, getting all those little aspects of an Adam Gase offense together, and even the offensive line. You're going to have guys now next year who, I mean, the only real returners on that line are going to be Adoga and Alex Lewis, and then you have McGovern and Greg Van Roten and Mekhi Becton, Cameron Clark, guys who are going to come in and compete for jobs. So the offensive line is going to have to gel a little bit, but for the weaponry and that core, there isn't a guy there that I don't think is all in on this team. I mean, Crowder, you talk to him, he's all in. Perriman, he's all in on just making himself the best player he can be for this team. Frank Gore, he is a legend. He's going to make sure that Le'Veon Bell's head on his straight, or his he- head's on straight. And Denzel Mims, he wants to be the future star wide receiver. I think all of that is making this season imperative to Sam Darnold's future success just because now you have a full year under his belt. And this is the first time he's had a full year to learn an offense. So that's going to be something that I truly think is going to make an impact on his success this year. Do I think that he's going to have astounding numbers and be an MVP candidate? No. Do I think, though, that he's going to gain some more notoriety and respect? Yes. I think that this is going to be a very, very big year for Darnold. I don't think that it will vault him into top quarterback conversation I think he's going to need a year or two more to do that but I think that this is the kind of year that'll get him another deal and really solidify him as the future of the New York Jets what do you think yeah I have Sam Darnold as my offensive player to watch because some of the flack he gets is not fair in my opinion I love Sam Darnold I think he is the quarterback of the future for the Jets but I agree with you he's not going to be an MVP candidate he's not going to be putting up ridiculous numbers we're not blind Jets fans here We know what's going to happen. He's not a guy who's going to throw for 300, 350 yards and three touchdowns every game. He's going to throw for, you know, 175 to 225 consistently with one or two touchdowns, although he does have to work on his interceptions. That's the part that scares me. But regardless, he's a guy who doesn't put up the huge numbers, but he makes plays happen. He extends plays. He gets rolling out of the pocket. He can find guys on the run to continue drives. And that's what you need. You don't necessarily need that quarterback who's going to be breaking numbers and breaking stats and breaking records. You need a guy who's going to continue the drive and get the ball down the field into scoring position. And Sam Darnold can definitely do that. He can definitely do that. He can win games, as he's done in the past couple seasons, 7-6 and six last season again. But... I mean, if Sam Arnold doesn't improve this season, I mean, I don't know what's to blame there. Because he does have improved weapons. He has another year with the offense. But he needs to take concrete steps in the right direction. That part I agree with. He had, what, I think it was 19 touchdowns, 15 interceptions or something like that. And that's too many interceptions to be ranked among the better starting quarterbacks in the league. That's just under one a game. That's no good. 19 touchdowns is just over one a game, although he did miss um, 
was it three three games two games uh three to four and that's too that's too little amount of touchdown you need more touchdowns you got to put the ball in the end zone more and that was the problem with the Jets offense last season is they weren't scoring touchdowns consistently so Sam Darnold is my player to watch I think he does improve this season although he's not going to be even close to MVP category I think that I don't want to put a prediction on his numbers here, but I think he gets towards 25 touchdowns. I say he needs to bring the interceptions down towards 11 or 10 uh, to really, really help this offense improve and really show improvements. Um, but, I mean, look out for Sam Darnold this season because he can either have a much better season or he could – I don't see him getting any worse. Or he could have – a similar season, and a similar season is no good. He needs to improve here. As for defense, I spoke about them earlier. The linebacking group is my group to watch. With Mosley healthy, Avery Williamson healthy, and they brought over Patrick Anwasar in free agency. This defense, especially this linebacker group, can really be dangerous. Really be dangerous. Um, they have... All the potential in the world. Like I said earlier, I think they are a top linebacking duo in the league with Mosley and Williamson when fully healthy. And I think that, you know, they're not ranked there right now. But I think as the season goes on, if they stay healthy, people are going to be talking about Avery, Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley as potentially a top five linebacking group in the league. How do you feel about that? Um, I agree. I think that... Especially looking at Mosley's first game. So looking at those downs that he played before he got hurt, that defense was on another level. I mean, they could have won that game. And then if they win that game, you're talking about an 8-8 eight and eight team instead of a 7-9 and nine team. That defense gelled differently with Mosley there. And it was only one game, and he was doing an incredible job. And that was against a team that went to the playoffs. So I think that that team is only going to get better and the duo is going to be phenomenal. I really like Avery Williamson. I hope he is a Jet come the start of the season because there's still rumblings about whether or not they'll try to restructure, whether he'll be okay with that. Whatever it ends up being, I hope that we see Mosley and Williamson because when Williamson was healthy under Todd Bowles' defense, he put up phenomenal numbers. I mean, he was a top 15 linebacker in football, and you pair him with a guy who's also a phenomenal linebacker in C.J. Mosley, that linebacking core is scary. As for me on defense, though, for my player to watch, I think I'm going to go with uh, Quinn and Williams. I, I wanted to go a little bit in the secondary with either Desir or Adams because they're both guys to watch, but they're talked about enough. I think it's not talked about enough, Quinn and Williams. He's been a gym rat this offseason, and I think that he's going to be coming back ready and willing to make an impact next season and truly try to live up to that potential. And then on offense, I had Denzel Mims, which is kind of self-explanatory as a future number one guy for Darnold. But kind of changing gears here a little bit, do you see Quinn and Williams? I mean, you touched on it a little bit, and we can't just keep talking about the Jets, although we both love to, but do you see Quinn and Williams having another you know, down year, or do you see him finally stepping up and having, well, not finally, but stepping up and having that breakout year? Oh, yeah, I definitely see him improving. Like you said, he's been a gym rat. I believe he's lost some weight, which is only going to help him in his speed and his agility. And if if he improves and really, really works on his technique, I mean, he can be a scary defensive lineman for opposing lines and quarterbacks. I mean, there's a reason why the Jets drafted him where he was drafted. 
He has crazy potential. He's very young. I mean, this kid still had braces on when he was drafted. This kid is young, and he has tons of potential. So I agree. I mean, I, I really think he improves this season. Now, I just want to mention two more things here before we move on from the Jets. One, you spoke about C.J. Mosley week one against Buffalo and how him being out really impacted that game. Absolutely. He was playing at a ridiculous level that first game when he was healthy. I think he would he have a pick six and a fumble recovery. Insane. I mean, my God. I mean, he played great. And then you can't blame him being out for losing that game. That's on everyone else. But it, he really, really had a huge impact. And two, I want to make a quick shout out here to our boss here at ESM, Alex Wilson. And uh, Alex, I'm looking forward to a text or a uh, Twitter comment back at this podcast. I want to know how you felt about Jamal Adams ripping the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands. Okay? <laughs> so, let's leave it there. Let's move on here. So, all right, let's talk about my least favorite team in the AFC East, <laughs> the Patriots. All right? Because, yes, Tom Brady is finally out of the AFC East. I was thinking, wow, the Jets actually have a chance now to win the AFC East, right? Not so fast. They signed Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a big if here, though, because we don't know how he's going to play or how healthy he is. But if he is getting back to MVP Cam level or close to it, I mean, he is something that the Patriots have never had, really, in that dual-threat quarterback where he can do anything. So I'm genuinely scared. I'm genuinely scared to see what Cam Newton does in the AFC East this season. Do you think he gets back to his really strong starter level? I, It's hard. Because from a talent standpoint, yes and no. Because if you, I'm looking at right now, I had it blown up a statue of his last few seasons prior to this one. So, not talking about the MVP run, but talking about 2018 3,395 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 picks, and then running the ball, he had 488 yards and four scores. So, pretty solid numbers. But then you look at last season, he only played two games. He The glaring number here, 50 for 89 with a 56% completion percentage and 571 yards. Two games, yeah, that's, that's not very real. good at all. So if that can be ironed out, if Bill Belichick can work his magic on Cam and he can come in at 31 years old and change his passing motion and make sure that there's more efficiency with his completions and he's not either turning the ball over, whether it be running the ball where he had six fumbles in 2017 or whether or not he's, you know, throwing picks or he's, you know, having incompletions because that was his biggest issue really in 2019 early and in 2017 and 2016, looking back at those two years. 2018, he picked it up a little bit. If he can get back to that, in 2018, he had a 68% completion percentage, a big jump from that 56%. If he can get back somewhere in that realm, say 65, 60% completion percentage, we're talking about a different Cam Newton. And I think that Bill Belichick was able to work his magic on a lot of quarterbacks when Brady has been out, looking specifically at, you know, Garoppolo and Brissett. If he can do that with Cam Newton, Brandon, we're in for another bad year of being a Jets fan. Well, yeah, I mean, even with Brissett and Garoppolo, I mean, if Cam Newton's healthy, I mean, he's on a completely different level. I don't know if you've been uh, following his Instagram posts, but all the videos he posts of himself working out, saying he's coming for the league's neck and whatnot, 
and then he posts it in black and white, it makes me even more terrified. I mean, this man is coming out, and he is going to play with a drive and a fire in his heart that I don't think he's ever played with. Yeah, he was MVP. Yeah, he went to the Super Bowl. But now he has something to prove that he's never had to prove before. He's always been known as a great quarterback and one of the best in the league. And then he fell off. Got hurt. Only played two games, like you said. And now he really has something to prove. Getting a minimum contract to go to a team where he's replacing the GOAT in Tom Brady. I mean, this guy has everything to prove. Everything. So I think he comes out, and I think if he stays healthy, he tears up the league. And I love Cam Newton. I was a big Cam Newton fan his entire career. And and it kills me to now see him on the Patriots. It kills me. But I love Cam Newton, man, and I think he's going to do special things for the Patriots. Well, you said he's never had anything to prove, so I'm going to fact-check you a little bit here in the sense of showing you what he did when he did have something to prove. I'm taking you back to 2009. After being having issues with academic dishonesty and then leaving the Florida team after being a backup to Tim Tebow, not many people remember that he was a backup for the most part to Tim Tebow, had issues with the law and injuries. So 2009, he goes to Blinn College, a JUCO college, and he led the team to the national championship. Not only that, threw for three or nearly 3,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, ran for 655, was named a JUCO All-American, was the most recruited JUCO quarterback in the country, and ranked as the number one quarterback in that recruiting class, technically, and ended up going to Auburn and lit it up and got drafted. But when he had something to prove after Florida, the man was unstoppable. Obviously, 11 years later, but still, if you see what he did with a vengeance then, you see what he did in 2015. There is no counting this man out. He he could come back and be scary. All right, well, I do appreciate the fact check there, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. When he had something to prove in college, we all know what he did at Auburn. Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, you spoke on some of his weaknesses, though, too. His completion percentage, his downfield accuracy. He has a great arm. He's very mobile, but his accuracy is that one thing that people can say, eh, he's not that great at. He's very inconsistent with his accuracy. And I think Bill Belichick in this offensive um, unit is going to help him work on that because if he gets his accuracy going and he's completing even 60 to 65% of his passes, a slight increase, that's a huge difference, huge, for what he's able to do. The Patriots did also bring over Marquise Lee in free agency, the wide receiver, known for playing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so that's going to be a little bit of a boost there for a somewhat weak wide receiver group last season. They do have Edelman, and they do have Nikhil Harry, who dealt with injuries last season. I like Nikhil Harry a lot. I liked him in college. I think he can be special for the Patriots, and it kills me to say I like him. He's a Patriots player, but I do. They did, however, though, lose, as we said, and as everybody knows in the world, they lost Tom Brady. They lost linebacker Kyle Van Noy, safety Deron Harmon, wide receiver Philip Dorsett, Jamie Collins, and Danny Shelton. So some losses there on defense. But this defense is still dangerous. Still dangerous, no doubt about it. They have the best cornerback in football, in my opinion, in Stephon Gilmore. Bump and run Gilmore is ridiculous. He's a blanket on the field. I actually had 
a uh, discussion with one of my friends last night. He was trying to tell me that Prime Gilmore is better than that uh, better than Prime Revis, and that didn't go well. But Gilmore is absolutely fantastic. They have the McCordy brothers, great players. They have Patrick Chung, great safety. I mean, this defense is still going to be deadly. Um, I mean, do you think that this defense, like last season, is going to have to really propel this team? to the playoffs or to playoff potential again? Or do you think this offense is going to take a step up with Cam Newton? Behind so believe center? it or not, I actually like the offense better than the defense, which is crazy for a Patriots team. But I, I really like the defense, but there's too many question marks for me. I love the idea, and these are my players to watch. Wee-oo, wee-oo, whatever. Uh, Josh Uche and Chase Winovich, they were incredibly dangerous together at Michigan when they were on that revenge tour. Winovich had five and a half sacks last year. Watch out for the two of them pairing back together. They're going to be dangerous. So that's defense. Defense, I think, if they can establish that pass rush, especially with that secondary, they're going to be very dangerous. But looking at that offense, I mean, we've raved enough about Cam Newton and also questioned him, but this is the best offensive line he has had in his career. Isaiah Wynn, talented left tackle, young, a lot to prove. Joe Thune, nearly a New York Jet, nearly a free agent, but instead the Patriots made it a point to keep him over Tom Brady. And obviously it was not in that same sense, but Joe Thune is imperative to that success. David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Marcus Cannon. That offensive line's very, very good. The weaponry, yeah, it's not as good as it used to be, but it's still good weaponry. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, still incredible football minds. I had them at 10-6, and 6, Brendan. I think they win the division. I I hate it, and it comes from a piece of pl- it, it. It comes from pain. It really does. And it's PTSD, <laughs> but I think that they win it. Man, if the Patriots still finished on top in this division, that might be it for with uh, me in football. That might be it. Tom Brady gone, I thought. The sun was shining <laughs> through the clouds, man. The sun was shining. And then they go out and get Cam Newton, who is a question mark. But if he if he plays at Cam Newton, Cam Newton-esque level, I mean, oh, my. Oh, my. It's going to be more miserable years for Jets fans. Very true. Let's move on here because I'm, I'm done with the Patriots personally. Let's move on to the Bills. You have the Patriots winning the division. I have the Bills winning the division. I think the Bills are the all-around best team in the division. They finished 10-6 and six last year, second in the division. I think now they win it. I don't see them making a Super Bowl run. I see them maybe winning a game in the playoffs, but that's about it. Um, and, I mean, this team did lose some players, but they I think they definitely got better, man. I mean, they got Stephon Diggs. Fantastic wideout from Minnesota, who is really going to help Josh Allen downfield because Josh Allen does have, he uh, like Cam Newton, he has iffy, inconsistent downfield accuracy. He's a great arm, and he can really run the ball. But now that he has a true, true established number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs, great for Josh Allen the Bills offense. They also got linebacker AJ Klein, defensive end Mario Addison cornerback and I forgot about this one they got cornerback Josh Norman completely forgot about that and tight end Tyler Croft so this offense I think is definitely going to get better their defense is already fantastic they add Josh Norman who hasn't been the same since he left Carolina but he's still a a solid cornerback 
What is your record prediction for them, and why do you see them finishing behind the So, Patriots? I have them at 9-7, and seven, and it's not because I don't think they're going to have a great season. I think that this team is—it got better. They, they improved. Their defense is very, very good. I think their offense— is still good. I have doubts about Allen's deep ball accuracy anymore, mainly because of his accuracy last season. And I think that Diggs is going to open things up for him, especially for John Brown. That's my offensive player to watch because if you saw what John Brown was able to do when he's had a great deep ball thrower and even an average deep ball thrower, he's been electric. And now I think the next season he's going to have a very big year. Cole Beasley, out of the slot, one of my favorite wide receivers in football. Stephon Diggs, he's good. He's going to be that number one guy, draw a lot of attention off of, you know, the other two. I think that, I think Allen's going to have a decent year next year. I, I think this team's going to be good. I just think that, I mean, they have a tough schedule. If you really look at it, I mean, they got a games, they got New England twice, obviously, Denver, Pitt, San Francisco, Arizona, Seattle, Kansas City, I mean, Tennessee, those are tough games. I mean, the whole AFC East, it's a tough schedule this year. I mean, it is. I don't know. I just, I want, looking at them, they have more upside than the Patriots. This team could go 11 and 5, and I would eat my words and not be surprised. But it's just something within me is telling me that this team's going to go 9 and 7, and that the PTSD from the Patriots just reigns bigger over me. See, I'm actually going to combat you here because. I think the Bills finish above the Patriots, but I think the Patriots have more potential upside than the Bills, simply because we don't know what we're getting out of Cam Newton. He's really the dynamic game changer on that offense. The Bills, you know what you're going to get. Strong defense, an offense that can move the ball when needed and score some points, but ultimately led by that defense. I just argued the opposite side, though, Patri- and you can continue, sorry, but... I argued the opposite side for Cam Newton of how he's good, but he's also 31, Brendan. I mean, Josh Allen's young. This team's young. This team could have a very dynamic year, but continue. I, I want to hear the rest of this. No, right. I mean, Cam Newton is 31, but we, no one knows what you're going to get with him. If you get an average Cam Newton, an average starting quarterback, what do you think the Patriots go? 11-5, and 10-6. I think that I'm counting on them being with average. An, with an average quarterback. So you're saying 10 and 6 with an oh, average all right. quarterback. So if we're talking if, average, if we're talking Cam Newton comes in and plays how he did in, so I'll say I'll take 2017 or 2018, for example, what we just talked about his stats. So throws 24 or 25 touchdowns. That team goes 9 and 7, 10 and 6 range. And then if he comes back as Cam Newton, Cam Newton, that's 11 and 5, 12 and 14. That's why I think they have the most upside because you don't know what you're getting with Cam Newton. If you get an average Cam Newton, an average quarterback, they're still a good team. If you get a great Cam Newton and a hungry Cam Newton and a healthy Cam Newton, he can literally do anything on the football field. He doesn't need all those extravagant weapons like a Stephon Diggs or anything. He can have average starter quality players around him who aren't stars. And he can make the offense look like a top offense because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. But their defense. So that's why I personally— But their defense. What you say? What about I, their defense? As much as I think that if 
that pass rush steps up, there's not as many proven commodities as there are in Buffalo. I mean, Ed Oliver had a phenomenal year last year. Jerry Hughes, Star Lutelli, uh, Trent Murphy, now you Mario Addison, Matt Milano. You've got guys here who are proven commodities who have already performed in that defense. AJ Epinesa, too, a new guy from Iowa. He was talented coming into last year before it this time last year he was talked about as a potential first overall pick people sleep on that and I just think that that defense has more not only does it have more proven commodities and maybe I'll eat my words here but I think that yes you can never know what Bill Belichick's going to do but as much as it is about Cam Newton versus Josh Allen here in terms of offense and offensive weapons and talent you also got to look at the other side of the ball and the Bills in my eyes have a better defense Oh, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. If I had to choose between Cam and Josh Allen for this upcoming season, I'm taking Josh Allen. No doubt about it. But let me get back to the Bills here because we're talking about the Bills. But real quick, I, like with me, the Bills, you know what you're going to get. There's not – I don't think there's much room for them to get extremely better. The Patriots' offense can get extremely better with the healthy Cam Newton. That's all I'm saying. Back to the Bills, though. The Bills absolutely are a, are a good team. Absolutely. Their defense is great. You touched on A.J. Epineza. Great pick. And, you know, Mario Addison came over. Good defensive end to replace Shaq Lawson, who was a big loss. And they also got Josh Norman, which I said earlier, and I completely forgot that they got him. Completely forgot. Do you see Josh Norman being a big player in the secondary because they have already one of the best cornerbacks in football in Tredavious White. He is a great cornerback. So you take someone like Josh Norman to go at number two who has played very well in his career and is a solid cornerback. Do you, like, he's, this secondary, this cornerback group can be very good. I mean, do you see Josh Norman really helping out that much? He's going to be a contributor. I think he's going to have a solid season, but he's 32 years old. I mean, it's, it's different if we were talking about him as a safety or talking about him, you know, in another spot on the field. But, I mean, last season he had 33 tackles, uh, a forced fumble, a pick, six pass deflections. Nothing that looks at you and says, this is Josh Norman of old, but he also wasn't entirely happy in Washington. So maybe, yes, maybe Josh Norman comes out and is a contributor. I don't think he'll be old Josh Norman, and I know that's not the case you're making. But I think that maybe he will make an impact, but it's hard to see based on his age and how how different his situation is here versus what it used to be when it was in Carolina. Because I feel like he's had so much overhaul in the past few years with where he's been at that I feel like you don't know what you're getting with him. And you really don't know what you're getting, it feels like, with a bulk of these AFC East teams. So if you see him as just a potential contributor this upcoming season, who is your defensive player? Uh, actually, I am going to stick with my A.J. Epinesa love. I think that he's going to really make an impact off the edge this year. I think that that defensive line is very, very good. I mean, I didn't even talk about Harrison Phillips. We're looking at a guy who was a top pick just a few years ago. He's very good at Oliver. I mean, you've got a very nice mix of vets and also the, you know, rookie young players who can make an impact. And I think that they're going to mesh very, very well together. And I think that they're going to be very dangerous. And I think that AJ Epinesa, I think, I mean, maybe I'm crazy high on him here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I don't know. I see him having some success. 
Yeah, I think I think he's going to be great personally. For me, my defense player to watch is Tredavious White, who I touched upon saying that you know, I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in football. He is very good. He's not really spoken about as much as a Jalen Ramsey or a Stephon Gilmore because they're right in the spotlight of you know, good teams. Team well, the Bills are a good team. Let me rephrase that. Teams that are in the spotlight twenty four seven and that have been doing it for a longer period of time. Jalen Ramsey obviously was great in Jacksonville, went over to the Rams. Stephon Gilmore went from Buffalo to New England, great in New England. Tredavious White is now the man in Buffalo, and he is a very, very good coverage corner. Very good. And I think he has another great season this year, propelling him into the talk for top, definitely top five, maybe top three cornerbacks. That's a little bit of a stretch, maybe, but I think definitely top five cornerbacks he's going to be in the conversation for. I mean, last season, he did miss one game. He played 15 games. He had six interceptions, a sack, and 17 passes defended. Just some of his stats. I mean, those are pretty solid stats, don't you think? I mean, Tredavious White is is solid, to say the least. I think that he is, along with Jordan Poyer, I think he's the most important player in that secondary. Uh, and I expect him to have a big season. As for offense, I have running back Devin Singletary. Because I think that he is a solid running back. I think, you know, he's young too. I think he has a ton of upside. And I think that he has a, a, a solid season with the Bills here. I think he improves on what he did last year. And I think that he is a breakout season here. Not He's not going to be in the top five for rushing yards. And no one's expecting him to do that. But I think he puts together a strong season and really helps this Bills, this Bills offense um, get chunks of yards and move down the field. I agree. I, I just... I like this Bills team. I, I hate saying it, but I like the upside that they bring on both sides of the ball. And I just, overall, I think that, I think they're going to have a lot of success. Um, I mean, you can only beat a dead horse so much. I just think that they're going to have a lot of success next season. But at the same time, I feel like there's more proven commodities. You know, we just argued the opposing point of views in terms of on-the-field performance, but also in terms of record, we're on the opposite sides. You have the Bills winning the division. I have the Patriots coming in sec or winning the division, and it's opposite. So I think that, I mean, if the Bills fire on all cylinders, in my opinion, they win the division. But I think that if the Patriots fire on even half their cylinders, they're going to win the division. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a competitive division, I think, from top to bottom, regardless of who wins who comes in second it's going to be close it's going to be a very good division to watch so one more team to go over here the Miami Dolphins the Dolphins are a team that I think drastically improved in free agency drastically and the draft and I think most people still have them finishing fourth in the division uh maybe third depending on how people feel about Sam Darnold and the Jets but I mean they have a lot of new pieces coming over this season. They got, it seems like, they got a lot of players from other teams in this division, man. They got Kyle Van Noy, obviously from the Patriots. Shaq Lawson from the Bills. Those are the two main people that they got from other AFC's teams, and those are big additions for that defense. They also got Emmanuel Ogba, Jordan Howard, 
Matt Breida, Eric Flowers, and Byron Jones. I was very upset about this Byron Jones signing. I go to UConn. Byron Jones played football at UConn. One of the best cornerbacks in football. The Dolphins were the my second least favorite option for Byron Jones behind the Patriots. <laughs> I did not want him going to the AFC East because I love Byron. I go to the school he went to. Very good cornerback. And now the Jets have to play against him twice a year. But regardless, great signing for the Dolphins. Um, and they also drafted Tua. Tua Tagovailoa, who has tremendous upside. Yes, he has some injury history. But if he stays healthy, he can do anything on the football field. And he can make opposing defenses pull their hair out. Obviously, yeah, I don't think he's expected to start the season. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick still, who's expected to be the starter. But if Tua comes in at some point this season, or even sit this entire season and comes back next season to start the football games, he can be dangerous, and this Dolphins team can go anywhere that he wants to take them. I mean, what do you, what's your opinion there? Do you see Tua starting at all this season? Uh, we talked about this with Herbert a little bit, and I told you about the fit last week in terms of kind of wishing it was the other way around. But with that said, I think Tua... I. I think he starts at some point this season because Fitzpatrick has inconsistencies. I mean, we know him as Fitzmagic as a Jet, but then we've also seen him struggle as a Jet. And it goes that same way wherever he's been, whether it be Tampa, whether it be Buffalo, whether it be now Miami. I mean, he had some struggles last year. I think that he will... I think he'll have some success, um, but I think ultimately Tua ends up being the starter at some point this season. And I think he's actually going to impress. I think he's going to light it up when he does come in. I think that he's going to be hard for defenses to play into early on in his career. And I think he's going to be a kind of guy we talk about in 2021 having that Kyler Murray expected jump that like a Lamar and Patrick Mahomes had. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, Tua's going to come in at some point this season, but it's going to obviously be Fitzpatrick to start the season, and it's the same thing with Fitzpatrick every season. He has a couple big games, gets back that Fitzmagic um, nickname, and then he turns into, as poorly as this sounds, Fitzheartbreak. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because he plays great for a number of games, and he gets wins in big numbers, but then he goes back down, to average or below average starting quarterback status and he doesn't win the games and he doesn't get the numbers and that's when two is going to come in Fitzpatrick I think is going to start the season strong and then he's going to the hype's going to die down he's going to come back to reality and then two is going to come in a couple weeks after that starts a couple weeks because two is nursing some obviously some rehab and some injuries and they don't want to rush him they do not want to rush two if he's fully healthy and they have a chance, a chance to have a good record this season or finish 500, then he plays. I think if their season's in the gutter and they have nothing to play for, they don't play him at all because then they can get another good draft pick, get another high player, and then really start over next season with two-way quarterback. That's what I think they should do, but I, don't, I just have a feeling two is going to play at some point this season because the fans want him to. And the coaches wanted to, and they want to see what they got. They did the Dolphins. We spoke about who they got. 
And they did lose linebacker Charles Harris, Taco Charlton, Samaj Pirine, and Ricardo Lewis. But those losses do not even compare to who they got this offseason. They got so much better, as I think every team did this offseason in this division. I think every team improved, and it's going to be a very competitive division. But moving here to my position group to watch for the offense is the quarterback room with Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa because there's so much what if there. You don't know who's going to play majority of the season. You don't know what they got in Tua because he was magic. He was Fitz magic at Alabama. <laughs> he won a national championship. Great quarterback. Great quarterback. Mobile. Can make all the throws. And he's a lefty. And I think that actually plays a role here against defenses because defenses are so used to right-handed quarterbacks. I could be over-exaggerating this, but a left-handed quarterback changes up how the defenses have to play the ball coming out of his hand. And the rotation's a little different, and the direction the ball is traveling in is different. So I think him being a very mobile left-handed quarterback is going to make it hell for defenses once he plays and once he's healthy. I do. do I think that, that? Uh, he is going to be scary. I think he he has potential to be very hard for defenses to figure out. A uh, little bit of breaking news, though, while we are recording this. Derrick Henry is reaching a deal uh, and making progress. We'll probably talk about the AFC South shortly in the next coming weeks, but they're finalizing a long-term deal. Back to Tua, though. Yes, I think he's going to be scary. Um, and my player to watch on their offensive side of the ball is Devontae Parker and really trying to watch if he can replicate that success he had last season because last season he was a true number one receiver 1,202 yards nine touchdowns 72 receptions 16.7 yards on average for each reception which is something that was poignant to me I mean he was one of the top receivers in football when he was on last year and I'd watch out for him and I think he's going to make whether it be Tua or Fitzpatrick maybe Josh Rosen probably not a chance in hell but maybe Josh Rosen uh one of them he's going to make their jobs a lot easier probably not Josh Rosen but I wanted to throw out the uh, fact that he's still a dolphin and I feel like he's very quickly been forgotten out of it this league oh yeah I mean Josh Rosen went from potential number one draft pick to not even being known he's on a roster. I mean, that that's how crazy his career's been. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, I agree with all your points. I think you make some great, great points there. Um, let me move on here to my defensive player to watch. Spoke about it earlier, upset with the signing. Love the player, Byron Jones. Um, great cornerback for Dallas. I've said this over and over again on this podcast. Teams need a number one cornerback. They really do. Having a number one cornerback really makes your defense that much better. And Byron Jones got a lot of money to come to Miami. A lot. And if he plays up to that contract, they got an absolutely great defensive player for their team. Their defense got a lot better with other signings like Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson. And Emmanuel Agba, but Byron Jones, in my opinion, was the biggest signing. Because you're pairing him with Xavier Howard, who's another great cornerback. So you have Xavier Howard and now Byron Jones, who's their number one, I think, ahead of Xavier Howard. That's a scary cornerback tandem, man. That is scary, and it's going to be annoying for quarterbacks to throw against them. I agree. Heavily agree, actually. 
All right, you like when I have weird ones? I've been trying to pronounce his name in my head for the past few for the past few minutes. I've been trying to pronounce his name, so if he's listening to this show, I am sorry. Camus Grugier Hill. He is a likely going to be a rotational linebacker for the team, but at 26, he's very mobile. Um, He forces a fair amount of fumbles for his short amount of play with the Eagles. Um, Three forced fumbles, that's something that kind of stuck out to me. But his athleticism is something that, you know, I've watched a little bit, and I was watching a little bit of tape the other day um, for an article I'm working on, and he happened to be in it, and all of a sudden, I think he's going to have a little bit of success. I remember the name from watching the tape, and... I could be dead wrong here, but I like kind of going outside the box. I'm not going to just give you a generic name here. So, Camus Grugier Hill, I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, but that is my rotational linebacker guy I think could make an impact this season. I'm glad you said his name because I did not want to <laughs> attempt to say his name. Um, no knock against him. He's a very good player, and he has the potential to be a good player for the Dolphins. But, yeah, I mean... He's definitely a player to My watch more realistic one, season. though, is Curtis Weaver. Okay, I forgot so. about him, uh, but continue. <laughs> uh, pass rushing like ability. He was a guy I really pinpointed as a later round pick that I liked for either the Jets or another team um, at certain times when I was doing a live stream throughout that weekend. I kind of looked at Curtis Weaver as a guy who could make an impact off the edge. Not right away, but in the upcoming years. And he's a guy I kind of like, so I wanted to give him a little bit of a shout-out here. But continue on, Brendan. (laughs) Well, I was going to say that does it for our player and team analysis. So I think one more time here, we should run through our divisional standings predictions for the AFC East. I will start. I have the Bills finishing first. Patriots second, Jets third, and Dolphins fourth. I think that this is the Bills' division to lose now, even with Cam Newton in New England. Let's hear. So I have the Patriots at ten and six, (laughs) Bills at nine and seven, Jets at eight and eight, and the Dolphins at seven and nine. No crazy bold predictions here, so nobody needs to get offended. But with that said, I think that they'll all be within like a game of each other because this is a closer division than it's ever really been before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that that does it for us. So you can find me on Twitter at Brendan Carp ESM, and you can also see me on the Empire Sports Media website writing about the Jets. The people Dylan can find me on Twitter at Dylan Price twenty seven, and you can find me talking about the Jets and some Broom Broom NASCAR on ESM as well. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week with another AFC Division. Thank you.